Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. So good day to our professional fitness community out there. I am Aaron and we're back with another podcast geeking out about all things physical, biological and behavioural. And our guest today really does embody all of these. It really is my pleasure to welcome Anthony Carey to our talk with us today. Now, Anthony has been a great friend of FitPro, delivered for us many times at FitPro Live up in Loughborough back in the day. Um, but for those that, of you that don't know Anthony, Anthony, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. Pleasure to be with all of you today, and thank you for having me. Um, all the way from San Diego, California, beautiful San Diego, California, uh, where I've had a fitness studio called Function First for almost uh, 28 years um, and been doing what I do for more than 30 years. Uh, I came out here to San Diego for my graduate degree in biomechanics and athletic training a very long time ago and uh, started Function First in 1994, uh, which is a, a place where we predominantly work with clients in chronic pain and uh, through an exercise-based intervention and with uh, incorporating a lot of the science and movement and that sort of thing around uh, their goals. And very often these people are folks that have already been through physical therapy, chiropractic, osteopaths, acupuncture, you name it. Um, and they're looking for some kind of solution after they've exhausted other things. Um, we also had, uh, as you mentioned, the pleasure to speak uh, at FitPro, but um, also probably in about uh, 12 other countries around the world, all the major fitness conferences on a regular basis, uh, private seminars and consulting that I do as well for um, for clubs and fitness equipment uh, manufacturers, and um, got a new curriculum that we've come out with a couple years ago around the type of work that we do, and I'm also the creator of Cortex, which is the reactive platform uh, that is used both in the fitness and the rehabilitation communities uh, with a unique uh, tilt translation and rotation, uh, does what no other tool can do. That's me. Fantastic. So one of the first times that I came across um, and came into contact with you, Anthony, was at the FitPro Meeting of the Mind style event. Do you remember that event? Of course I do. It was a great event. It was fantastic. So many great speakers all together. Um, and what really stood out for me at that event was when you talked about, and it was this specific phrase, it was the idea of working with your clients with a biopsychosocial approach to training. Um, now, that idea and what you talked about around that really inspired me to look differently about the way I started to work with my clients and, and has really led me down a path and on a journey uh, since then that has kind of met all three of those needs and more. So I guess, um, you know, I was very lucky to hear that, but could you expand for our listeners a little bit about that, um, that kind of tri-bucketed approach to training, um, what it does and, and how it can help your clients. Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously with the chronic pain client, um, everything that we do is 
let's say a little bit more sensitive in terms of, of what's going on with the individual. And that includes uh, the biopsychosocial approach, which is really a, think of it as three lenses from which you view your client group. And they're also highly interdependent. So you can't say, oh, today I'm working on the bio and tomorrow I'm working on the psycho and Friday I'm working on the social. Uh, it is part of every human that we work with. And I, I really dove into it deeper because of the clientele that we work with. But obviously, it's an aspect of uh, all, all clientele that we see, um, uh, athletes, everything, the way that you want to approach things. And, and some of what I touched on in the talk uh, back at Meeting of the Minds was actually uh, how that also impacts what's called the dynamic systems theories, which is basically how many different inputs are occurring um, and what we see generally or what we're faced with with the client is what emerges from all of that and what, what sort of the net result is. So the bio is all the stuff that we've always been familiar with and really as we've, we've focused on in training forever, which is the biological, the biomechanical, the bio, uh, biochemical, all those types of aspects of the human uh, organism. Uh, the psychological, though, however, is more of what we would consider the, the belief systems about what whether I can lose weight or whether I can get out of pain or um, what I've been influenced by through my medical provider or what my parents told me I'm, I'm genetically predetermined to, what my attitudes are about and motivations are about exercise, uh, what my expectations are about the results. All these kind of things play into ultimately how we perform. And then the third, the third lens is the social and the social, uh, the social pressures, the social responsibilities also uh, are highly intertwined with those other two because we'll start to have uh, anxiety about social situations. For example, if I have lower back pain and I get lower back pain, if I've got to stand for more than 15 minutes and I know I'm going to a holiday party um, and I know that I'm going to be standing around, just the thought of and the expectation of the oncoming uh, responsibilities or requirements at that type of thing is going to create a physiological bi a biochemical response in my body and it's going to trigger other uh, biological um, aspects to what that back pain does and, and psychological. And so together, those three are always dancing around together and highly integrated. Now, there's times where one of those three, and, if, and the other thing you could look at, another metaphor that we use is it's a three-legged stool, right? And uh, there'll be times where one leg of the stool might be a little bit longer based on what we're doing. But at the end of the day, uh, if we take that sort of perspective in how we program, uh, how we communicate with our clients and kind of what our ex what our expectations are of them and therefore better communicate what what they can do or what's expected of them any given day can dramatically influence the results they have the safety that they feel and the way that they're able to um, kind of move the needle in the direction of their goals okay so so with that in mind, so, so do, you, do you think, you know, we, we have to work with our clients on a daily basis? Sometimes, like you say, our clients will come to us in pain. And um, it sounds like you've got the ability to start being able to actually do something with your clients to help them out of pain, potentially. You know, that leads into potentially quite a gray area, which is um, us as fitness professionals working with clients to manage their pain or help them out of pain. So, I mean, what do you think and what is your take on that? What do you believe the scope of um, intervening in, in pain management, et cetera, is for a fitness professional? How far can we take it and what should we do? 
Well, it's a, it's a great question. And some of that is dependent upon both the education of the individuals, but also even the laws of the land, right? And, and what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, um, we all, no matter what a person uh, is experiencing from a pain aspect, one of their goals, no matter what, period, end of sentence, is to be able to move better and with less pain, right? So we create an environment for that. Uh, with what we do with our exercises. One of the things that we communicate immediately to a, to a new client, if they don't already know it, is that we're not physical therapists, physiotherapists. We're, we're not going to do any hands-on treatment. And matter of fact, we don't even use the word treatment because that's outside of our professional boundaries. Mm -hmm. Straight up and tell them, I am an exercise guy. However, if we provide you with an exercise program that you do independently of us, that is highly strategic and very focused and goal oriented on your needs and reduces the threat to what your body, what your brain actually feels is uh, gonna create pain, you can have a very positive result out of that. So, so I actually am careful with people uh, using the terminology pain management when it relates to us. Hmm. We're, still, we're still exercise people no matter what at the end of the day, right? We're not helping anybody manage, we're helping people to function better. And one of the challenges I think that happens with us in the uh, fitness field is that we, we've developed very strong relationships and rapport with our clients, right? Because they're continually coming back. And very often we're actually the first line of communication or, or let's call it um, intervention because they trust us so much and they're seeing us so frequently that they will start to tell us about what hurts or why or why this is exacerbated or provoked over the weekend or something like that. So us as empathetic and caring human beings, the first thing that we want to do is give them something for their pain, right? Because we're problem solvers. And we have to be very careful with that, actually. Um, so number one, we have to have the confidence to refer them out if this is one of the first times we're hearing about something to a licensed provider. But the other thing is we also want to not go down the rabbit hole of trying to give an exercise or exercises that um, the goal is to try to fix what hurts. Right. So if, if let's say, for example, somebody comes in to see me on a on a Monday and their and their neck is and, and they're generally seeing me anyway, because after they've been through, they've already been evaluated in the past, et cetera, et cetera. They've kind of gone the gamut. People don't wake up on a on a Monday morning and say, my neck hurts. Let me make an appointment with Anthony. Um, they generally had it for long periods of time. But my exercise program will not in any way be um, driven by what hurts. And that's that's a very distinct difference. Uh, between somebody comes in with neck pain and I start giving them a bunch of neck stretches and um, neck range of motion uh, exercises, when in reality, I'm looking at everything that's going on with their body um, from nose to toes, uh, and how do I develop a, a program that actually is safe, feels safe to them, puts them at ease, and moves them through ranges of motion with novelty and variability that ultimately um, can I, kind of downregulates all the threat on their body. So as, as fitness professionals, we, our goal is not to fix anything that hurts. We've got to have the confidence again to refer them out when necessary. And we just have to be going back to that biopsychosocial model. We have to be able to develop a, an exercise program uh, that may change for the day, but is not driven by the symptoms. Because otherwise we are then practicing outside our professional boundaries, which is, uh, illegal in the US, and it's also um, unethical on our part. Absolutely, absolutely. So you would agree with us then that it's, it's about trying to create a, a network of support for your clients? Absolutely, absolutely.
you should you should feel comfortable in where you can refer them out to if they don't already have a resource that you think that they need to go back to uh, at this point in time. That's great. So so Anthony, I mean, I've I've got a bit of a personal question for you, really, and it's something that I'm seeing more of as as a personal trainer um, working with my clients day to day um, is that I see more clients now coming in with this kind of, I guess, chronic uh, hypersensitivity um, and this heightened sense of pain. And, you know, often we'll do exercises and actually there doesn't seem to be injury yet. There still seems to be this sensitivity and this feeling of pain in, in certain areas. Now I'm starting to kind of put this down to it being, almost indicative of the age that we're in where there's more stress and there's more stimulus and there's more things going on and that's physical and social and psychological. Um, you know, and for me, I, it's, I'm really getting to a stage where what do I do about it? And, and do you think that, do you believe that this is, is now more apparent? I do, and, and uh, I, I'm sure this, what you're describing is something many of your listeners can, um, can relate to. Mm. What if I flipped it, because it's frustrating to you, right? Yeah. So what if we flipped it and said, imagine how frustrating it is for the client who nobody can visibly see an injury, nobody is diagnosed anything, yet they still have the pain, right? Yeah. So now they're like, do people believe me? Um, mm. Do I really have the pain? Why is this happening to me? Um, I can see the frustration in Aaron's eyes every time he asks me to do an exercise and I can't do it, which makes me feel like, like I'm inadequate at what I, what I can do, right? So I think um, you're, you're spot on that it's a biopsychosocial uh, issue. Um, you know, I, I wonder if it's just related to the time we're in because it's actually something that people have experienced for, for a long time, uh, sure. documented that they're, you know, um, chronic pain without any sort of diagnostic, diagnosed um, injury or, or, or broken bone or torn tissue or something like that. So going back to the, if we look at the definitions of chronic versus acute pain, chronic is anything that's been three months consistent, six months intermittent, um, and, which means you could have it a couple days a week, it could go away, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the re reason for the definition is three months is generally the amount of time it takes for tissue to heal, right? So if we look at just the bio, the assumption would be, hey, uh, that sprained ankle, that torn ligament, that, that ruptured tendon, whatever, three, three months approximately should, is healed. I should have no pain. But then what if I continue to have pain? Or what if the person has got a degenerative process and they're getting their back goes out five, six, seven times a year, um, two or three days at a time, right? All of that actually increases, and you use the word correctly, sensitization of the nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. So the threshold gets lower and lower from which the brain starts to think that this input is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the metaphor that's often used, it's like, it's the, it's the smoke alarm in the house that starts to go off when there's just a little bit of steam coming out of the boiling pot versus there being a full fire, right? It's doing its job, but the threshold has gotten so low that it starts to create this response within the body and experience. So one of the, um, one of the most important things that I have to highlight when I explain this to clients, and this is also something that, that as a trainer, if, if, if you dive deeper into this, you have to be very careful of, is that what they're not hearing, what they are not hearing is that it's all in their head. Yeah. So the brain is the ultimate governor that tells us, that tells the, 
tells the body that there's this is dangerous, so it's important for you to experience some kind of protective mechanism, which is the pain there, right? But when there's no obvious injury, there's no obvious uh, trauma, stress to the body, mechanical stress to the body, and there's still pain, a pain present. And, and interestingly, we refer to pain now as an experience and not a sensation. And that's more the semantics, right? That's because going back to the biopsychosocial, for example, you could, have a, you could have a sore back as you're sitting there right now. I could have a sore back in the exact same location with the exact same diagnosis and your experience, how it relates to your life, what you have to do tomorrow, what you have to do today, et cetera, is completely different than mine, right? Mm, so yeah, all, right. Of that, all of that is highly individualized for the person when they come in. So the, the, the pain that they are experiencing is a result of, think of their, their software being a little bit uh, running running a program that is not serving it best and that's actually where exercise comes in and really good coaching right uh, because again the the anticipation of pain produces almost the exact same physiological response as pain does itself right yeah so yeah. if i if i if i thought i stepped on a nail and I can see the nail coming out of my boot, which is a, a slide that I used from the British Medical Journal from back in the 90s, um, but it doesn't actually puncture my skin. I may go through the same, exactly the same response as if it did because of all the input, uh, previous points of reference, um, getting some stimulation, et cetera. So uh, the, the person that you're working with, the clients that you might be describing right now are highly stressed which then adds to the, the uh, changes in the physiological response, which then feeds their belief that, they're, that exercise is bad for them or a certain exercise is bad for them. They become what's called hypo, hyperallergesic to movement, which just creates a vicious cycle, which means I'm not gonna you know, exercise or that exercise is bad for me, so I'm not gonna do it, right? So now there's a belief around certain movements. So if you ask them to do anything that resembles it, they're going to start to experience the anxiety, the anticipation. Uh, the cortisol is going to dump into their body. Tone's going to start to increase a little bit more. The, the brain is going to go into that fight or flight response, not at the full blown level like somebody's chasing them with a knife, but it's still going to go through it. And because the threshold has gotten so low, it's only steam, it's not smoke, the alarm goes off. Now we have we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, positive things that we can do to influence that. One of which is just helping the person better understand the scenario, um, and then you know, co letting them know that you know our job here is to help them move better. We're not going to do anything that exacerbates the pain, because that's going back to your our pre previous question and point is, if somebody comes in and they're complaint they're concerned and they're communicating an, an issue with something that hurts, and then we try to give them, give them exercises for it we actually don't know enough about the pathology related to it and it makes it worse, guess what you've just done? You've just become a future stressor to that person um, when, you, when you ask them to do exercise. The trust level has gone down and the expectation of pain has gone up, right? Mm. That's a bad scenario to create for you and your client. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. And actually, you know what? It, it's actually, in some respects, sounds quite counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Right. We, we want to, like you say, we're fixers and we're, you know, problem solvers and we want to dive in straight at, and help our clients. And if our clients are in pain, we want to help that pain. And yep. it's a really interesting take on it that actually, you know what, the, a, a good thing to, to do is make sure they know they're in good and safe hands and 
that you're going to look after them, but almost to take their, their mind off or not their mind, but their body and their mind off of the idea that they are in pain in that area, you know, locally or, or more globally. Correct. And that, that's also, uh, you know, a big rationale for within our programming to use novelty and variability and do things that the brain doesn't recognize as a threat um, right. with the movements that we want to do. And, and, and of course, you don't want, you know, this person comes in and their, and their main goal with you has always been to lose weight, but they've also got chronic pain and, and you put them in another, you put them around other people that are, that are just crushing it that day that's a stressor for them too, right? Because they know they yeah. can't, they feel inferior, they feel like they're not going to reach their goals, et cetera. That's when you remove them from that environment and find a, find a quieter corner that you can do a few other things in first, get them focused on their breathing, whatever it is. But um, in general, you don't want to, you don't want to match them up um, in the same environment as, as other people that are going through high energy stuff at the time. Mm. So, so what do you do at that stage? Like, you know, for, for us as fitness professionals, where do we go? Where do we start this, um, this journey further and, and start to build up the skills to be able to work um, better with our clients, um, particularly those that are kind of in distress or in pain in some way? What, what would you say? Well, like, you know, like we started, number one, we've got to know our professional boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't want to go outside that. And, and sometimes the mistakes are greater with, with new trainers than, than experienced ones because they don't want to give up the client. They don't want to seem like they don't know what they're doing, um, et cetera. So we, number, that's where it always has to start, right? Know where your yeah. professional boundaries are and stay in your lane. Um, the second thing is I don't think there's any substitute for a, a very solid understanding of functional anatomy. Okay. And knowing, um, and then if we understand the body in general from, from a movement perspective, uh, it gives us options in our program design, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's, that's, that program design isn't referencing just the biomechanics of it, right? If I understand um, that this, this is going to put them in a position um, that actually uh, gives them a sense of confidence and, and downregulates tone to another part of the body, um, that's more than just biomechanics, right? That's actually the biopsychosocial side of it as, as well. And therefore having a, having a toolbox that um, starts with understanding the anatomy well, um, because there's no substitute for that. We just had our, our pain-free movement specialist level two here in San Diego. And, and that's one of the things I emphasized before anybody came, uh, more than anything, they need to review their functional anatomy so that, uh, and the other stuff that we can, we can teach them uh, to get better at. Um, but then from there, uh, you know, having a, having a reasonable understanding of the experience that pers the person's going through. Um, and as professionals, we need to be empathetic, right? We need, uh, if, if the client doesn't feel like uh, you believe them that they're in pain or that their pain is real or that you're frustrated with, with you're not able to crush it with them today like, like, you, like you wanted to, et cetera, they're going to they're gonna realize that and it's going to become another stressor. Um, and then, of course, if you really wanted to get comprehensive and, and dive into it, you know, that's one of the things that has been one of our, our goals and our, our reason to con contribute was to develop a curriculum um, that trainers could kind of move through the process that we have done um, now for 20-some years, um, evidence-based stuff that uh, is around the biopsychosocial, but using um, a series of, of strategic corrective exercises that ascend strategically into more integrated exercises within a given session. 
and, and really take a different view of how you can impact the quality of this person's life um, through movement, through exercise, and through good coaching and communication uh, so that they have options. Um, I, I, I would like to share just something with you and how important it is for us to be able to communicate to that. Uh, my first appointment with all my clients is two hours long. Um, and my first, and within the first 30 to 45 minutes, we do nothing but talk, right? And so we, we go over their health history, but we also share a lot about the neuroscience around the biopsychosocial issue and give them a chance to communicate in ways um, and give them insight in ways that they just don't get from the traditional medical model. And one of my, uh, and I describe this as a pearl, okay? And this is one of the kind of the key questions that I ask all my clients before the next step, which is to go out on the floor and start the movement assessments is, what will a successful appointment look like for you today, right? So this way I get insight into their expectations. And after that, let's say 45 minute talk, I'm always delighted to hear that they will, I've heard, you know, seven out of 10 times they'll say, it's already been a successful appointment. And we haven't even gotten our butts out of the chair yet, right? And it's because they've been given hope and they've been given insight and they've been given um, ways to that they can now see a path to moving past these challenges that they've had. And part of that is just sharing with them, again, the value of strategic movement with an understanding of the biopsychosocial side of things and how many different factors ultimately influence the pain they're having. And it's not just, oh, I was diagnosed with a bulge at L4, L5, or I'm 65 years old, and my mother had bad hips, so I have bad hips. All that stuff is just bullshit, right? When if they, if they really understand the biopsychosocial side of things. Not that they don't play a role in it, but it's not the reason. And once they start to get a better understanding of that, and then you give them exercises that make them feel better, their brain says, hey, wait a minute, here's a new reference point for me. Can we do this on a regular basis? And the more we do it, that, that sensitization level actually goes up. So they're less sensitive to movements. And you start a positive cascade now, instead of the more familiar negative cascade of, of things getting worse and worse with everything they do. Brilliant. So you, you talked about it as the, what did you, what did you call this, this, this idea pain-free movement specialist is that when you mentioned pain movement yeah. specialist is a curriculum that we've right. uh, it's the level one is online okay. um, it's uh, 12 hours 12 contact hours of education uh, that does contain some functional anatomy but the you know the real uh, heart and soul of it and what differentiator is how we put together the biopsychosocial model with the very strategic mm. uh, programming aspect of it um, and, and go along with the coaching and the interviewing process. And it's much different than just say doing corrective exercise because something is tight and weak, which is a model that we don't follow, <laughs> which is also sort of a, uh, a, a linear mindset in terms of how a biological system like ours behaves, <laughs> uh, which, is, which is way too narrow for, for human beings, way too narrow. Absolutely, absolutely. We've, we've got to start to treat, well, it's that old saying of treating um, treating the cause, not the symptom, right? And, yeah. And, and, there, and it's got to be an individual strategy to do that. Has to be, has to be. And, and exercise is, is an amazing vehicle. Um, mm. And that's what we are. We're exercise people, right? So yeah, right. It's, it's just got to, you know, it's got to be the right, 
you know, I have a, I have a, a three questions that I always fire out because people are always asking me, what do you think about this exercise or what do you think? And I'm always like, for whom, for what, and when, <laughs> right? And if you can answer those three accurately, you can, you, can, um, you can sort of diffuse a lot of arguments or disagreements about what you're doing with, with clients or what you're doing versus what this other guy or gal is doing with clients. For whom, for what, and when. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So simple. Fantastic. So I guess what everyone wants to know now, Anthony, is, is when, when can we see you again? How do, we, how do we find out more about what you do and, and how can we kind of uh, continue this journey that we've started here today? Well, I, I'm excited that um, we're reconnecting with FitPro and that FitPro has uh, taken an interest in our curriculum and we'll be making it available. Um, certainly, uh, there's lots of stuff on our blog at, at www.functionfirst.com, um, some of which I think, and, and I, I'm looking forward to also contributing more to FitPro with uh, article blog posts and those kinds of things uh, along with this. So it's uh, an amazing opportunity to kind of be back and, and um, connected to my, my friends in the UK. Uh, I'll actually be over there again next year. Towards the end of the year, I'm doing some um, speaking at some conferences and uh, we'll be back for my third year at the Foot Fashion Function Summit, which is happening in London again, but also doing some, some other consulting over there. So very excited to be back in the UK and, and people can always reach me at uh, acarry at functionfirst.com uh, if they want to send an email. Um, and then cortexfitness.com is, is all about uh, reactive training and, and that aspect of what we're really big on is, you know, both in Function First and how we program, which is, which is variability by changing the exercises regularly on our clients and with cortex and, and creating that reactive environment for reactive variability. So uh, that as it, that ties into everything philosophically that we do and, and what we believe is, is necessary for biological systems. Um, yeah. It's a lot of what, what uh, you asked about and talked about and what our bodies, what our bodies and minds need, uh, not just our bodies and mind, but also just in our social interactions and all those kind of things that help us thrive and develop strategies to deal with uh, different things in different ways when they come at us. Fantastic. Well, look, Anthony, um, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I will certainly be looking at some of the stuff you just uh, talked about there at the end. Um, we'll, we'll make sure that we, we share out those links as well um, on the podcast. So guys, make sure you check out the blurb to go along with the podcast. Um, it's been it's been fantastic honor to again um share some some time with you anthony so thank you so much for that um guys that has been a, another um fit pro podcast um please um let us know what you think we love to hear from you um and we will look forward to uh bringing um some more golden nuggets of information to you again soon Thank you very much, Anthony, for your time today. Thank you very much, Aaron. I appreciate it. Great to be with you. There you have it, guys. We will speak to you soon. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and see you next time.